Hello and welcome to another episode of Menopause Cafe in Conversation With series of podcasts. Over the next few months we'll be speaking to the movers and shakers in the world of menopause, the trailblazers, as well as the folk who beaver away behind the scenes every day to get the topic of menopause out into the open. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Sue Berry. Sue is a retired primary school teacher who recently also completed a master's degree looking at how the menopause can affect teachers. Sue became part of the Menopause Cafe movement back in October 2018 and has been hosting Menopause Cafe events down in Kent. More recently, it's been wonderful to have Sue be part of our virtual Menopause Cafe events that we've been delivering via Zoom. Welcome, Sue. Thank you, Helen. It's lovely to be here. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. We're, we're, post, we're, we're stuck right in the middle of the, of the COVID uh, lockdown at the moment, um, uh, which, is, which has been challenging, I think, um, challenging for everybody in lots of different ways. But, um, but I'm good. Yeah. So I always like to start these off by sort of giving you a chance to talk about your own menopause experience and where exactly you are in your menopause journey. Um, yeah, so I'm 57 and post definitely post menopause. Um, I had a hysterectomy at 50, which was um, a struggle to get. I was experiencing very heavy bleeding um, in my mid to late 40s, um, uh, and it was fibroids, and had uh, and it was it was debilitating so it was stopping me from doing the things I wanted to do and it meant that I and it was impacting on my work um, that just having heavy heavy bleeds that were um, um, I suppose unannounced um, and so I so I had a hysterectomy uh, to solve that problem. And that problem was obviously very well solved because I had a, a partial uh, hysterectomy. So they, they took the uterus but left the ovaries, meaning that I would then have a generally normal transition through menopause. Um, so, so uh, uh, and that's what happened most of the the most debilitating aspect of my menopause was the um associated um anxiety and depression um i did have hot flushes which were a problem um and i did uh, but but yeah but that anxiety and depression were the biggest problem for me i found that um i was reluctant to go out um, and to do the sorts of things I used to, that I used to do, it impacted on my self-confidence, and um, I became and I had a lot of the sort of brain fog, the menopause brain fog. Um, so that was that's how I would sort of describe what my menopause journey was like. But I'm now post that. I still get a few hot flashes, but not very many, and I haven't had any HRT. Lots of women talk about. Uh, their experiences of HRT but I made a decision not to have HRT at the time based on my family's um, history of breast cancer so I so I, I didn't I didn't uh, do, go down the HRT route but yeah I'm postmenopausal now yeah. so given that you, you you didn't try HRT 
what what's in your menopause toolkit if you like what what's in your travel bag what helps you day to day um to get by um i think there are two things really there are quite a few bits and pieces that i do that will help me but there are things that i think i would call my most important that i would use as my most important tools i suppose the first one is swimming i'm a regular swimmer so i'll swim maybe four times a week uh, in the mornings early mornings um and i find that really good physically and also really good for my mental well-being i do all my best thinking um when i'm swimming and it calms me down uh, but also i feel like it gives me um it helps with my with my core strength and my physical well-being as well so swimming and uh, yeah swimming is something i used to do when i was very young um, and now I sort of rediscovered it as a menopause, postmenopausal woman, uh, as a really important part of my life and my lifestyle. So not being able to swim during the lockdown has 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 uh, been challenging, uh, but um, I'm sure we'll get back to it. I will get back to it when this is all over. The second aspect I think for me um, is um, my. Um, I've talked to a lot of the women at Menopause Cafe about diet and we all have different ways of um, adjusting our diets um, and different tips and techniques and I think uh, we're all individuals so our diets are all very individual uh, as well so, but for me I've taken out um, processed carbs so I've taken out all white carbs and all beige carbs so I've taken away um, uh, pasta, rice, bread, and if I do eat bread, I'll eat wholemeal bread. And I've taken those away, and they—I feel like they've taken away the. So that's helped with the feeling of that feeling of being bloated all of the time, that heaviness that that you often get um, when you're going through peri and, and menopause, and uh, it's helped keep the weight off. Um, and it's also improved my energy levels. Um, I've noticed a real change in in how in, in how how much energy I've got, but also it's reduced hot flushes as well. Um, so yeah, so I would say say it's a, a combination of a lot of physical exercise that really suits me, and a, and a diet that really suits me. But I don't miss out on the treats. I do. Uh, I do still enjoy uh, cakes and chocolate, but I just keep it very. I keep I keep those things um, as treats rather. Yeah, I have to be really careful about my diet. Um, but that. But then that. It's a self fulfilling prophecy. If you feel good and you know you're, if you're feeling energetic and you're feeling good about yourself and your body feels healthy. Um, it's I feel less tempted to carb to, to binge on carbs it's what our grandmothers used to say isn't it everything in moderation it's uh, yeah, yeah yeah absolutely so I don't go I don't forego the wine and I don't forego the chocolate and uh, I have the occasional cake but uh, I don't try not to feel guilty about it I think the whole overall I'm looking after my diet so how are, you, how are you managing exercise wise given that we're in lockdown shutdown have you sort of switched to any any i mean i know some women on twitter they've been saying they've been skipping 
um, some have been trying to hula hoop just to sort of <laughs> a aerobic exercise. Have you? Uh, <laughs> I tr I tr I've tried to do a couple of uh, dance things on uh, on um, YouTube. Follow some some like dance exercise type classes, but it's really not for me. Um, but I've, I've, I do a walk every morning. So I get up at seven and I'll go out and I'll walk. And I'm very lucky where I live. I've got a, I've, there's sort of like a circular walk around that skips around the top of our village um, and goes along the Saxon Shore Way in Kent um, on, the, uh, on the peninsula out here, on the Medway Peninsula. And I can go um, around the village on this circular walk, which is about three and a half, four miles. Takes me about an hour. So I've done my exercise. I don't meet many people, just dog walkers and people like that. Um, so I can do all the social distancing out there. So I do that every day. Um, and then also I've brought back in a little bit of yoga. I used to do a lot of yoga before menopause. Uh, and um, I've, I've sort of like rediscovered that a little bit. So yeah, I've, I've rediscovered a bit of yoga. Sounds good. I mean, certainly getting out in the in the daylight. I suppose you're also getting your vitamin D, aren't you? And weight bearing exercise. So it's it's really ticking a lot of boxes. I'm very careful when I go when I go. I walk with my husband, and we have completely different walking styles. So my husband, who's a key worker, so he's doing a lot of work from home, but still going into work two days a week. Um, he wants to stroll uh, around the around the the, the, the walking course. Whereas I want to use it as my daily exercise, so I'll I'll be um, holding in my core, um, pumping my arms, um, walking really sort of strongly. Uh, so that that's really helped. That's helped. Uh, you know, relations between me and my husband can be a little get get we can get a little bit irritated with each other on that walk because I'm telling him to hurry up and he's telling me to slow down. But um, yes yeah, lovely to be outside in the morning in the fresh air it, it's it's very calming it starts the day really really well i think i might even carry on with it when the lockdown's finished well that's the thing isn't it i think a lot of these sort of new habits that we're picking up through necessity i can see that they're going to, to be carried on after um lockdown and they're just going to be a, an everyday part of uh, part of our routines because if we've got time for them now then when we come out of this then hopefully we can we can maintain the momentum yes i think there are some real positives you have to you have to take the positives out of a difficult situation like this um because otherwise you would be you'd spend all day crying wouldn't you and and uh and that won't do any good at all so uh yeah there's lots of positives things like uh, rediscovering things like uh, the garden i've spent a lot of time in the garden as well so outside um I'm, I'm a fairly keen gardener but i've taken a lot more um time and put a lot more energy into the garden than i would normally at this time of the year so uh yeah that's been good too i said in, in the intro that um you'd done a master's yeah at menopause and the effect on teachers um was that from a historical perspective because i'm i'm thinking about things from from whether the narrative has changed perhaps around the menopause for teachers 10 20 years ago versus now with a, with a new generation of, of of younger women coming through 
Yeah, well, the, the, the research that I did, uh, my, my master's was with Kent University and it was a, a master's which was called professional practice. So it, it focused on a whole range of different um, professional skills. But in our final year, we had uh, we would do a piece of research. We would have to do a piece of independent research. Um, and I had based upon something that was pertinent to us or, or something that was significant in our schools or in our own professional practice. So I decided that because I'd had such a tricky transition and I was still going through the menopause transition at the time and, and I'd had, I'd experienced and come across, experienced some real problems knowing that I was going through menopause but not being able to have open conversations with people and remembering that in primary schools we had a highly feminized workplaces primary schools and even in place in in primary school all the primary schools i've been i've taught in menopause was never a conversation that was had in a in a staff room and and you know and for me let's say 10 years ago going in in the midst of of my menopause when perimenopause there was nobody talking about menopause in the staff room it was a subject that was just as taboo in um in a in a staff room of teachers where most of those people were women as it is anywhere else there's so much stigma around it so i decided that this would be a really good um professional issue to take up as some research so i so i did a piece of qualitative research and it was interviewing teachers around the country uh, about their experiences of menopause so what how uh, how have their menopause been in school so it's a work-based um project um and so yes i carried out some interviews with women um not just in my local area but women across across the uk and uh, and it was very interesting because experiences were very very similar uh, there were six women in my because it's only a, it's only a, it was only a small um, piece of research. Um, so there were six women, and five of those women, five of the six women, um, felt that they were very isolated as a menopausal woman in their school, with very little support at all, if any. Some of the women, half the women, uh, left teaching after their or throughout their menopause years because they found it um, extremely challenging um, and they were not getting enough support from their head teachers or, or the senior management of their school or their academy trust and also again there were um, when I've spoken to people about my research they'll say well we it must be difficult if you've got a male head if you're going through menopause but I we but the, the women in my in my study had had male heads and female heads so it, it wasn't a, just an issue with the fact that it was a male head uh, women women with female heads still experienced difficulty with being heard or having or being taken seriously about the about their menopausal um, symptoms and how it was impacting on them at work the 
problems that women had i mean when we when i was we have to you have to write your conclusion at the end you have to look at your results and analyze your results and write your conclusion and i would say that there were there were two there were four areas that i talked about as my conclusions but i think what's pertinent for for us today uh, in the workplace today is how um women the women in my study talked about how the menopause impacted upon their professional identity so it's sort of it 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 we like we i will say we because i'm i'm rep, i'm representing men we felt um misrepresented um not listened to and we started to worry we started to to think there's something wrong with me um i'm no longer the teacher i once was um so in terms of professional your professional role and your professional identity it was diminished um and the other the other uh, conclusion that i i wrote about was um about how we have a gendered workplace so it's not just in schools this is across the board with women in all sorts of different workplaces a gendered workplace so a workplace that uh, revolves around a human body or is designed around a human body and by default that's a male body it's not a female body so even in schools where you've got lots of women teach lots of women teachers and lots of women staff so support staff and admin staff and clerical staff and finance staff and um, then you've got start members of staff who are cleaners or who um, have to do with the running of the school in that way or uh, kitchen staff um our workplaces are set up for a male body um i don't know if you i'm gonna i'm gonna flash a book at you here helen this book Go for it. yes yes yeah and in, in invisible women there's a lot of data in this book about how society not just workplaces but society is a gendered society um in that it's set up solely almost to consider a human body as a male body and if you're a it, so a female body is the male body is the default position and the female body is a is 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 almost like it 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 bucks the trend even though we're half the population um so yeah so i talked about that and i so it it wasn't really a historical thing and i but i think it's changing but i'm hoping it's changing in schools but so yeah so that's what my research focused on really focused on how how working in schools how it impacted on, on menopause transition what was their that average age your, your n equals six what was what what age were they um between the ages of 43 and 53 right right mm -hmm. So they were in different parts of their transition. So there were three women who were who would consider themselves post-menopause, and three were perimenopause. Yeah, because I wondered whether there's any merit in in, in trying to get career breaks um, rolled out, and for men and women, because I think you know men will go through issues. Um, clearly, not menopause, but they will go through issues that that perhaps they would benefit from whether it's called a sabbatical or whether it's called a career break and just whether yeah. one year or two years have a completely you know with with no strings attached to it you don't have to say why you're taking it and it could it i think it would be vital then in allowing a lot of women to go back 
into their jobs and their careers because I think there are so many women just leaving. Yes. Yeah. Vast, yeah. vast depth of knowledge. That I think that's the biggest. I think that's a myth. A ma that's a that's a big problem. That's a big issue. And I think um, I think that's for me personally. That's exactly what happened. I felt I went. I, it really caused problems for me. My menopause. Um, and um, I, I left teaching. I went. I, I became. I, I went part time. And then eventually I left teaching. But I actually think, you know, I'm 57. Um, I still think that I've got something to give. Um, but I feel that the way that schools are set up at the moment and the way that, um, that the, the pressure of work and the pace of work and the, organize, the organization of schools, um, I think it it's the last thing I want to do, but I also know that I still have a passion for education and I still um, would love to be able to contribute to, to education. But the way it is, it is at the moment, I, I really wouldn't want to. Things like, um, let's say, pressures around performance management. Um, we, we know that women in their that's something i would really want to completely avoid if i could and now i know people would say well we've got to know that people are performing well but the sort of heavy reliance upon performance management and targets and target driven and workplaces um that i think women for me personally and i think from, from i know from the women i spoke to in my in my research um it's a, a very negative um, uh, experience and we also know from other um, surveys I think that when the, the NEU National Education Union when it was the NUT uh, had a did a survey and it was it was an, a survey like a, a quantitative survey and they were talking to teachers about menopause um, and there was it was surprising and shocking the number of women who felt that they had had uh, capability taken or capability um, action taken against them, sort of like disciplinary action taken against them, and because of their because of their menopause symptoms. So, if menopause symptoms were supported well within a workplace and recognised within a workplace then um, we would have women working through their menopause with all the skills and all the talents that they've got and all that experience that they've got, being able to work through and still contribute to, um, to the education of young people. But um, many, many teachers do drop out of education, do, do come away from education or fall away from education at, in their 50s, um, the number declines. Um, how much of that is to do with menopause I don't know but I suspect it's quite a lot. I do too actually and I think it would be very interesting to have a countrywide survey of the workforce to see the true percentage of women that have either contemplated it or have actually left yeah I, and just have it completely anonymous because I think that the stigma around the word menopause is just still so great isn't it despite you know, the likes of Chief Inspector Helen Smith coming out and being yes. very and positive and trying to um, implement changes and, and policies in, in the workplace. 
Yeah, I, th I think within the workplace, that's something. It's something that actually is quite important for me. Um, the whole workplace issue, and I think uh, it's there is stigma, still stigma, and there is still taboo. Um, but a lot of good work has been has been done. Um, I know well the police. The, the there's been some really good work that has been done in the police force. Um, I think in uh, the probation service. I know that NAPO, the National Association of Probation Officers, carried out a piece of research and um, that was taken on board um, in many places. Uh, so there's a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of good work. I know that there are individual um, women who specialise as consultants for management and for HR. But I do also think that the trade unions have an important role to play in developing policy and education programs for um, employers uh, because it's becoming an increase because it's becoming an increasingly uh, important um, area or uh, um, situation uh, or issue in the workplace and I think if employers and the government want women in the workplace for longer and they do because we've got um, we've got a, a, a state retirement age has, has been risen in recent years. So if they want us around in the workplace, it needs to be recognised that um, that menopause is something uh, that that needs to be looked at, uh, so that we can contribute. We can continue to contribute in the workplace in our postmenopausal years. Oh, that's that's very important isn't it that's very very important if you think about some of the work being done in wales with the, with the tuc i think is it in wales doing yes that what that's right the tuc in wales yeah yeah i think um we've we've um we've got to go on the offensive almost um because uh, the tuc in wales that report and other reports have shown that um, there is there is still discriminatory practice um, in the workplace. Um, and also, so if you think about it historically, Helen, you were talking about the historic history of it uh, earlier on, but only relatively recently have we seen um, in in society women working through menopause and postmenopause. It's, it's only really a recent. A recent development of the workforce because because you know the the baby boom the baby boomers people like me we're coming through the workplace now and we're expected to work through um, and careers are important to us so we we have good maternity rights so we give up work have our children then go back to work and then and then we want we love we like to have a career for right through until we retire but I also think 40 years ago, I was thinking about this, 40 years ago, we were fighting these sorts of battles to have recognition in the workplace for pregnant women, for maternity rights in, in, in the workplace. So it's funny, it's the same battle really, but just a different stage in our lives as women. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's, I think, I think, the conversation around menopause, the narrative we were talking about, the narrative around menopause is changing. 
and that's good but there is still a way to go I would entirely agree actually and I think it, it's it's trying to get the emphasis I think on the full breadth isn't it of, of women's menstrual hormonal health um, as you say you know the, the struggle 30 40 years ago with 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 pregnancy now there's there's a huge groundswell for the younger generation around period positivity yeah um, and you think if that can sort of just be carried forward and, and really you know nurtured for, for that's right yeah. the menstrual cycle menstrual journey then i think it's quite incredible what can be achieved if there's just the you know the, the willingness and the impetus to well to speak out about it that's the thing isn't it it's standing up i suppose and being counted yeah seen yeah, I mean, I know I've alluded to trade unions, so, you know, that they, the, and the fact that I'm a member of, of, of NEU, and I think that um, I'm, I'm inspired by um, collective, collective actions. So I'm inspired by women of the past who've acted collectively. Um, so whether that's the suffragettes or whether that's the women from Dagenham and the equal fight for equal pay, I think, I think we need to, and I think that's where, but I think we, it needs to be collective. We will achieve things together if we achieve it, and we have to do that collectively. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I'm, my next question, I'm, I'm picturing you now frog-marching your poor husband around parts of town. <laughs> what motivates you and inspires you? What, what gets you out of bed every morning? My husband. Um, no, I, yes, he does, obviously. So I have, I'm very lucky that I have a, um, a very supportive family, my husband, but I've got uh, two daughters, two adult daughters, and, you know, I, I'm in awe of my daughters. They're both incredible young women. Um, so they motivate me, but uh, they motivate me. They inspire me. Um, so the younger generation um, of women coming through. Um, when I was thinking about this question, because I knew you were going to ask me about um, what gets me out of bed in the morning, I was thinking, actually, for a long time, it was difficult to get out of bed. I have to acknowledge that my mental health during my, um, in the last mm, five, seven years has not been very good. But I'm getting my energy back now. And, um, and I've got in much better mental health. So my mental health is significantly better. And I realised that I've come through a huge transition uh, in my life and also that I'm reconnecting with the part of my life that I haven't seen in a long time. And I feel like the fog, because menopause women, all a lot of women during menopause talk about this fog that comes down, this sort of like a mental fog, brain freeze, brain fog, but also like um, your mental health, your confidence is very can often be very very low mine definitely was but i feel like that fog is lifted um and then for a long time my um identity has been bound up with my menopause now that's positive in many aspects but also that's really negative and i think we see so many um we so we don't see um, any positive or many positive images of menopause women in society and those that we do see are sort of held up as paragons so um, so we for example I love Helen Mirren don't get me wrong but Helen look at Helen in her 70s 
she's still got sex appeal that's what we're that's the uh, the implication look how good she is how she's aging incredibly she doesn't look she doesn't look like an old woman uh, she's still sexually she's got still sexually got she's she's got sexual allure still helen good old helen and i do love helen but you know that's what we that's what we get now we we as women we have that all through our lives don't we that these women are put on a pedestal this is this is the this is the ident the image that you are to this is the image that you are supposed to aspire to um but for menopausal women when that happens it's it's a ridiculous and impossible standard to reach um it's a false and idealized image that society thinks um that society thinks that of what society thinks menopausal women should look like and it, the irony is men, society think what society thinks that men, menopausal women look like is not a woman who's had menopause it's uh, like she's not been through menopause at all um you know and, and the reality yeah so so i find that frustrating but i feel like there's for me i can i can park all of that now and i can reconnect with who who I, who i really am and i'm I, i'm going to paraphrase as an american um, author called florence king and she talks about this and and i i feel this is quite pertinent i feel like um i'm 12 again i identify with my 12 year old self so my Postmenstrual, a postmenstrual woman is similar to a premenstrual woman, if you think about it. So now I've gone back to a life where each month has 30 days in it, not 24 days or 21 days or 25 days, depending on the length of your menstrual, how long your period is. Um, so there's no pressure for me to conform to that ridiculous image of Helen Mirren still sexually alluring at 70. Um, and I can create my own identity now, who I want to be. Like when I was 12, who am I going to be? What am I going to do in my life? You know, it's all ahead of me and it's exciting. Um, I can do that again. I feel like I can do that. I can do that again it's like a sort of a rebirth almost uh, and i don't have to um, conform to the ridiculously imposed um images of um reproductive women or women of a reproductive age um and i want it to be different for my daughters as well so i want my my daughters to approach their menopause with knowledge and confidence and so that they face menopause with a greater awareness of what's actually what's what what's going to happen to them and and how to go through it as a, as a positive thing i've rambled on with that answer i'm really sorry <laughs> no no not at, all, not at all um to wrap things up is there a favorite quote you'd like to you'd like to leave us with a line from a poem or something yeah. that might focus your mind it might uplift you or soothe you or it might even be a line from a song Right, I am going to show you what it is. I'm going to, I'm going to just get, get it on the tablet and I'm going to play it to you. Okay, even though my tablet is telling me something's gone wrong. And I'm hoping 
you might be able to edit it. If, uh, here we go. This is this is what gets this is this is what inspires me. This gives me hope. This song. beautiful what a brilliant idea the first person to actually play some music at the end so that's well I, it, not every day is a sunshiny day but it, but it might not be but the next day might be you know so uh i this is the second verse the lines are yes i can make it now the pain has gone all of the bad feelings have disappeared and and that for me is um uh, is expresses how that's behind me now and something good is is ahead brilliant thank you so much sue it's it's been an absolute joy to chat to you and uh many words of wisdom there thank you very much <laughs> it comes with age <laughs> thank you helen <laughs>